Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today uh, to begin with, but stick a marker over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, Normally I just give you a couple of places, but if you want to go to the third one that'll be between those, it's Titus chapter 2. And so, of course, they'll be on the screens for you to follow along. Colossians, if you're not sure where that's at, um, basically you go after the Gospels and then you just kind of keep going. It's Romans and, and then it's First and Second Corinthians and then it's God's electric power company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's an easy way to remember it. I don't mind paying his electric bill, right? He, he can send that anytime he wants, amen? But if you'll flip over there. We'll get there in a few minutes. We've been in a fun series that we'll be bringing to an end next Sunday. Uh, it's been a theme, really, called Victorious. Started back before Easter, and it's been, for me, it's been a blast. I, I don't know about you, I like the idea that God has called us to live victoriously, amen? More than I like that idea, I like that that's the reality we find in Scripture. We're called to be the head and not the tail. We're called to be above and not beneath. We're called to be conquerors, not conquered. So as we press into this, press into this. Let's let the Lord do what God can do and allow this to become the reality in our life because we were made for more than just simply living and getting by. We were made for more than that. You were born for more than that. There's a bigger purpose for your life than just that. And so as we press into this, man, hang in there, go for it. Uh, Today, we're going to look at how perspective changes things and how it shapes things. We've talked about vision in the past. Let me separate the two and why it's important that we deal with both of them. Vision deals with what you see, right? Perspective deals with how you see it. Vision is what you see. Perspective is how you see that. Now, we can all see the same thing, but our perspective will determine how we see the events unfold. It's important that we understand the difference between the two. Uh, It's kind of like a story I heard about a man in a hot air balloon. Uh, He realized that he was lost. Uh, He reduced his altitude, and he spotted a lady down below him, and and he descended a bit more and shouted, Excuse me, ma'am, can you help me out? I promised a friend I would meet him for lunch an hour ago, but I don't know where I am. The woman replied to him and said, Well, you're in a hot air balloon hovering approximately 30 feet above the ground. You're between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude and 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. The man in the balloon said, well, you must be an engineer. And she said, well, that's correct, I am, but how in the world did you know? He said, well, you've told me everything, and it's technically correct, but I still have no idea what to make of your information. And the fact is, I'm still lost. Frankly, you've not been much help at all. If anything, you've delayed my trip even more. The lady replied to him and said, oh, I see, you must be in management. And he said, well, as a matter of fact, I am, but how do you know that? Well, said the lady, you don't know where you are or where you're going. You've risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. You made a promise which you have no idea how you're going to keep, and you expect the people beneath you to solve all of the problems. The fact is, you are exactly in the same position you were before we met, but now somehow it's my fault. Perspective changes things, right? Perspective has a lot to do with how we deal with things in life as well. 
In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, it starts by saying, He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. I love the passage, I love the verse, I love everything that it means. See, from the very beginning of time, humanity has longed to try to figure out what's next. If you look throughout world history all the way back, everybody has tried to deal with the afterlife, from building pyramids to not killing cats, because cats were symbols of what was going to happen in your afterlife, um, to we, we dare not kill a cow in India. No, no cows can die, because you might be reincarnated as a cow. Now... It's a very strong-held belief in their country, and I would certainly not want to belittle it. I would just say this. If reincarnation were true, seriously, a cow? A cow of all things, a cow. Why not, you know, something smarter? Well, never mind. I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) Thankfully for us as believers, we know what's next. We know what the answer is to what happens after this life is over. For those who love Jesus, we know where we're going. It's heaven. For those who don't know Jesus, unfortunately, we know where they go too. And it's a place that begins with an H. And we shouldn't be very happy that people are going to end up there. The truth is, we should be more concerned that there are people going to hell than we are about anything else this life has to offer. Because Jesus said he came for one reason and one reason alone. And that was to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? So if that's what he's about, we should be about the same thing. Perspective makes things, uh, it makes things meaningful. Perspective says this is the important aspect that we're to live with. As believers, we have the beauty of knowing with certainty that Jesus is going to do something and what the other side looks like. We see the end from the beginning, Amen. We know what letter A is, that's when we were born. We know what letter Z is, that's when we get out of here, we pass from this life, uh, the rapture happens, we're going to depart from this life on earth. We may not know how we're going to get from letter A to letter Z, but we know what A and Z mean. We see the end from the beginning. We see how the story's even going to unfold. Why? Because we talked about it last week, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his name. We know he's in the midst of it, so I trust it's going to work out. We know that there's a day coming that Jesus is going to change everything, and that's an amazing day, friends. That's an amazing day when Jesus is going to make things right. It changes our perspective. It's an amazing day that we can look forward to things being better and things being different. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to have an eternal perspective and how it changes things for the good. We're going to start by beginning with the new life that we've been given. Aren't you glad for new life? I'm grateful that we have new life. I'm grateful for that. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, and we're just going to look at verse 1 here for a moment at the very beginning. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Since you've been raised. Since implies that there was something that happened before that, right? Right? You've been raised, meaning there was a time that you were dead in your sins, that we were all separated from Jesus. We were separated from him and not living life together. But we're not that way anymore, amen? My life today is not what it once was. My life today is different because of the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen? Because of his grace, I have something new. I have something that changed me. That perspective-changing event for me happened June 2nd, 1997. 
I don't know what your spiritual birthday is, but I know where mine was. I know. Just like I know I was born on December the 29th, 1979 at Muskogee Regional Hospital. That song that, that old Hank Williams wrote, I'm an Okie from Muskogee, he wrote it about me. And a whole bunch of other people too. I know from where I have come. Same way, spiritually, I know from where I have come. June 2nd, 1997, Turner Falls Youth Camp outside that old open-air tabernacle, laying face first out in the gravel pit there as the Lord dealt with my heart and I surrendered my life to him. I know where it happened. I know what the journey has been since then. Thank God I'm not the same person I used to be. This, this next summer, I'll celebrate, uh, we'll, we'll celebrate our 20-year graduation, high school graduation. I know some of you are going, boy, that's awful young. Listen, I haven't reached you know, those milestones that some of you have reached. And yet the teenagers in here are going, boy, you're old, 20 years? Some of you are creeping on 30, some much further than that, and we'll leave that alone. Perspective changes things, right? Saw some friends of mine that I went to high school with, friends that have forgotten that I, I, I quit drinking with them on the weekends. They'd forgotten that I had gotten saved and now continued to live this life. So we get together with some of them to go watch a high school girls soccer match because the Clinton High School girls were playing in the state championship, which they eventually won. But we go and we get together with them. And the first question out of my friend's mouth is, hey, you want a beer? No? Oh, that's right. I forgot. You quit drinking. You're still saved? Yeah. You, wait, oh, that's right. You pastor a church, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Well, you can have some water then. <laughs> Thanks. Can I have some ice in that water? Man, it's getting hot. You know, you talk about the uncomfort zone going up really fast, right? That's not who I am anymore. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I don't live that life and everything that that life brought with it. God has saved me, rescued me, set my feet on a solid rock to say, I don't have to live bound up in that sinful lifestyle that that came with. I have been set free. Now, we all wish that we could have a new life. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever wished you could have a new life? See, let's, let, me, let me rephrase this. How many of you have ever wished you could be taller or smarter, uh, more beautiful, uh, wished you were wealthier? You wished you had a new life. All of us at moments have wished we had something we didn't have. Most of the time, though, that comes with this idea that we can have more and more stuff. That would be the new life we want. Like if I were to win the lottery, right? You know, it's like, man, it's over $100 million. What can I do with $100 million? First of all, if ever you win it, move. Let me just tell you, get your own private island and don't let cousin so-and-so come see you. Because cousin so-and-so is going to be mad at you that you didn't give them that $1,000 for something they didn't need in the first place, okay? Just remember... Secondly, who cares? You have the life that was perfectly designed for what you've got. Let's not long for more and more and more. That's not the new life that I'm talking about. You see, it seems like what happens when we get saved, man, all of a sudden we have this desire to, to give away to others. There's this innate desire to be like Christ giving. 
But it seems like the longer we get, we've been saved, we kind of revert back. And let me kind of explain to you what I mean by that. Uh, you see, the longer that we hang in here uh, in this thing called life and we're, we're living for Jesus, it, it seems like we want more and more things our way. I, I want it to be like I want it. Uh, why, why can't Jesus make life the way that I would like? I would like for Jesus to bless me without having to actually do anything for the blessing. I would like for Jesus... Um, to give me even more free stuff, kind of like grace where he saved me and completely set me free, but without me having to actually, you know, put, put any work into it. I'd like to have, you know, legendary status as a prayer warrior without having to pray. I'd like to be able to sleep on my Bible and it soak in. I'd like to know everything it says without having to actually read. We get selfish and self-centered. We get filled with amnesia and we forget where we've come from. We've got to shift past that and remember that we were sinners saved by grace. We're supposed to be the most grace-filled people now because of who we were before. Now we're not that same person. We've got to continue to move forward in grace, amen? You can't stay stuck in the past. You've got to continue moving forward and remembering that you have been saved and that you have something to freely give. That's what Jesus said. Freely you've received. Freely you should give. He wasn't talking about your stuff. If he asked you to, great. He was talking about this grace and mercy, this good news, the amazing grace that we have been saved by. We're to freely give that away as much as we possibly can. We're not who we once were. I've been saved. I've been forgiven. I'm changed. I'm delivered. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm a child of the Most High. Amen. I am delivered. I'm saved. I'm new. I have new life. Do you have new life? Is it in you? Is it who you are? When we embrace this new life that we've been so freely given, we've got to embrace the perspective that it brings with it, where it's not about us, it's about others. See, Paul often talked about this idea of others being really important, right? He said things like this. You should outdo one another in honoring others. You should go above and beyond. If you're going to brag about something, brag about, about the grace of God and go above and beyond in what you do for other people. He kind of said it this way. He said, if your perspective is that you choose joy, it gets really simple. Choose Jesus Choose others, and then choose yourself. Choose others, choose Jesus, others, and then yourself. You want a life filled with joy? Live your life that way for Jesus and, and living to give and, and be willing to give to others. Now, we, we heard this fantastic story that I didn't know about Dwayne, and I'm going to share the story, Nina, sorry, um, if it's a little close to home, but this was so, so beautiful. Dwayne had this, this amazing thing that he used to do, and I never knew it. Uh, Dwayne would always bring with him when he came to church or when he would go out to other places, he always took a little extra money with him. And he would always say, when I'm asking, why are you doing that? Because somebody might need it. Well, one Sunday morning, he got up and he felt like he should bring some extra money. Even if they had their own needs at home, he would bring extra money with him. One Sunday morning, he gets up, he puts some extra money in his pocket and he makes their way to church. He just knows somebody's going to need it. Well, the need never presented itself at church. Nothing. The Lord never directed him. You're supposed to give it away. They go to lunch. And as they're getting ready to leave, 
he hears a lady asking, said, Can, is there any way that you could help my family? And Dwayne thought, this is it, this is why. And he gives her the money. And she was overwhelmed. And they could hear her screaming for joy, praising the Lord as they drove away from the parking lot. You never know what God can do in your life if you'll give him the chance, amen? You've got to be willing to put yourself in the position by choosing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let God use what, what he's placed in my life to be a blessing to others. That's what this new life is all about. That's an eternal perspective that says, I'm going to allow God to use what he's placed in my life for others. It's all about wanting as many people as possible to experience this new life as well. When we've embraced this new life, now we have to live, uh, we, have, we have the chance to embrace the new realities that come with it. There's new realities that come with new life. What do these new realities look like? Well, let's continue reading in Colossians chapter 3. It says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. If we're going to embrace these uh, new realities, we've got to set our minds on them. We've got to focus on them. I've mentioned that my dad has a, had, had his knee replaced. Interesting story this last week as he had gone to the doctor and the doctor said, everything's great. You're, you're doing awesome. I can't believe it. I like to refer to my dad as the bionic man because his knee um, has metal pieces in it. And the doctor said, with the way we do them now, you'll never have to have this replaced again. Now, we may need to take out the little squishy part in between them. That'll wear out in 15 years or so. And we'll put a new squishy part in it, and then you'll be back up and running. No more major replacement. Awesome, right? I thought that was good news. Except my dad asked the doc, Doc, if I'm doing so well, and everything is rocking along, why do I still walk with a limp? And the doctor said, well, Junior, it's because it's in your head. You've lived so long with this pain and the limp that you don't know how not to live with the pain and the limp. Every time you start limping, you've got to remind yourself, I don't have to anymore. So he's gone from the hobbled man to just a little bit now. He's figuring it out that he doesn't have to live that way. Friends, can I ask you the same question? Why do you continue to live with the pain and the limp that's not there any longer? The new reality is that he is our all in all. The pain that was in the past doesn't have to remain. Quit living as though it's still there. Let's move beyond that because of his grace. The reality is he saved you. He's redeemed you. You're not who you used to be. Set your mind on the things above. Focus on Jesus, amen? Let's set our mind on what God can do. Let's set our mind on what he has in store. Stop limping. The newness of Christ is in you. It's who you are. So what do these new realities look like that we're supposed to live with? Well, when we go to the book of Titus, Paul was writing to Titus, and in verse 11 of chapter 2, he says this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Paul says you should live with a pivot, not a limp. A pivot, not a limp. 
we have to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures to living with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. We are going to turn from something to something else every time. When we choose to turn from the pain, we turn to his grace. When we turn from the anger, we turn to patience. When we turn from the rejection, we turn to his acceptance. When we turn from godless living of I can do it myself, we're turning to I need God's help in every way, every day, in everything I do. We've got to turn from, we've got to live with a pivot. The greatest big men in all of NBA history had an amazing pivot. They could catch it and make their defender think they were going one way while they turned the other way and made the shot. Legend has it that Eugene Johnson had one of the greatest pivot turns in all of basketball when he was a young man playing. Is that true? It's pretty close. I've heard stories. Your kids like to tell off on you. We, we've got to learn to live with a pivot. We're going one way, all of a sudden we've got to turn and go the other way. And what we find is that the enemy is expecting us to turn into the pain, to turn into godless living of I can do it all on my own. Instead, we turn the other way. And what we find is there is an open path to the goal ahead of us. God's plan will see us through if we'll pivot and go his way. Living in this evil world. Do we know that the world is evil? Yes. Does God know that the world is becoming more and more evil? Yes. The days are growing darker. Yes. But greater is the light in the darkest moments. That's what we can live with amen he's there he's with us yes we know it's happening we've got to turn from evil and we've got to turn from godless living sinful pleasures turning to what god has in store for us that's a perspective changer when i choose to turn away from that and turn into what god has in store live that way friends live that way the eternal perspective of new life and new reality is that there is a new home waiting for us a new home so we talk about eternal perspective eternal perspective says what i'm going through here and now is not much james said it this way this life is but a vapor it's here and then it's gone it's a flash just a little bit these light and momentary afflictions are working for my good how many of you have ever said, be honest, be, look at your neighbor and tell them, be honest. If you're not sitting by somebody right now, then say to yourself, be honest. Have you ever said, where did the last 10 years go? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I thought all along having kids has been great until Cade turned 10 when Kate turned 10, I realized, holy cow, that's a decade. He's gotten so much older, and I haven't aged at all. <laughs> you guys act like my wife does when I say that. <laughs> we, life changes. Life moves. But it happens so fast. You know the other thing that I find so crazy? is that the days drag on and the years fly by. Anybody else realize that? Man, it's, oh, 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 can we just put them to bed? Please, can they just go to bed? And then you look back and it's like, this is the end of June. Where has the year gone? 
The days drag on, but the years fly by. You know what's going to happen when we get to a, a new home? Our perspective is going to be completed and whole, and we're going to understand. We're going to see things the way they are. Perspective changes things. Perspective shifts things so that we see them the way that they are. But when we live with an eternal perspective, we're living with the, the idea and the mindset that there's a new home waiting for us one day. Paul said to Titus there in chapter 2 that we live with these new realities because we're waiting on something better. We, live, we turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We live in this evil world with, with, uh, with, 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 with self-control, with discipline, with, with devotion to God, uh, with righteousness. With, we live that way because of something. There's a reason to it. You know, sometimes you just want your kids to do what you tell them, right? And then they start asking that why question. But why? But why? They want to understand perspective. Paul gave us the perspective in verse 13. He said, we live that way while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. We live this way because there's a day coming, amen? We live that way because one day Jesus will return. We live that way, friends, because that day is coming at a rapid pace, faster than it has ever come before. We've got to keep our hand to the plow while we keep an eye on the eastern sky, looking for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming, friends. It could happen at any day. It could happen at any moment. It could happen at the twinkle of an eye, at the next clap of a hand, at the next sound of, uh, of a heaven thunderclap. At the next moment, Jesus could come. There is no reason in Scripture that he is delaying that I can fine. And guess what? One day it's going to happen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote about this greatly and said some amazing things that I want us to look at. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 through 55, and it's a, it's a well-known passage, but it says it this way. It says, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Paul's giving away secrets. Don't you love it when people tell you secrets? I do. I love it when Cecily comes to me and says, daddy, I'll tell you something. I have a secret that I need to tell you. Like, this is going to be good. What did your brother do today? Right? I, she got this new journal from her mama, and I love it because she didn't want her mama to help her set up the password to get into it. She said, Daddy, I need you to help me set up the password for this. It's voice activated, but I know how to override it. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Secrets. You know what secrets can do? They can give you hope or they can make you sick. See, sinful secrets will make you sick. They'll gnaw at your stomach. They'll gnaw at your soul until you feel like there's nowhere that you can go. But the secret that Paul's sharing gives us hope. I've got a secret to share. I want to reveal to you a wonderful secret. And what is that secret? That we will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Amen? Oh, that's good news. That's good news. Because one day when I get to heaven, the Lord's going to have gotten it right, and I'm going to be six foot five and slim and trim and full of muscles without ever having to lift a weight. You know what I'm saying? That's what the Lord's going to do. We will all be transformed. And it goes on and says, it will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, those who have died, uh, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised. 
to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die, and our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Praise the Lord, one day he's coming back, friends, amen? Praise the Lord, he's coming back. It's a secret, and this secret gives you hope because there's a new home waiting on me. There's a new home waiting on you. In our new home, there's no more death. There's no sting. There's no sickness. There's no sin. There's no sorrow. There's no disease. There's no sadness. There's no lack. There's no pain. There is nothing but beautiful, amazing God creations that live perfectly in harmony the way they were designed because that's what God does. And if you don't know that that's good news, friends, I don't know what can help you with it. If that's not enough to keep your fire going, then friends, your wood's wet. If that's not enough to stoke the fire of your spiritual man, then I don't know what can keep you going. If that's not enough to keep your pursuit of Jesus alive, then I don't know what else is. I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not sticking around this old broken down world forever. I'm going to get out of here. I have a home that's being prepared for me that no billionaire can compare with. I have a home that's waiting for me with streets of gold, rivers of healing, and trees of life. I have a home that has precious gem gates waiting to keep the devil out and keep the saints in. I have a home that has its sources of light, the one and only son of the living God in whom there is no darkness. Friends, that's the home that I'm going home to. Now, I don't know about you, but if that doesn't get you fired up, your wood is so wet, you ain't ever getting lit up. Here's the truth. We have a home waiting. We have a home waiting for us on heaven's shores. We have a, a crowd of witnesses waiting to bring us in. We have people there that have been waiting and cheering us on. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see them. I have a home that's being prepared for me, that when I take up residence there, I'm going to walk with Moses. I'm going to stalk Abraham and find out just how long waiting felt like to him. I'm going to walk up to Noah and say, Noah, what was that ark like that you built? And is the comedian right that you had to go for wood all the time? I want to find out what it was like for St. Peter to walk on water. I'm going to ask him to give me walk-in lessons instead of swimming lessons. I can't wait to walk up to Elijah and say, what was it like for the chariot of fire to come and get you, my friend? I can't wait to walk up to Jesus and say, show me the nail-pierced hands that paid the price for me so I can worship at the master's feet. I can't wait to go to the Holy Ghost blockbuster and say, show me how I got out of that one. I can't wait to walk up to all the saints who've gone before us and say, tell me the story of how this happened. I can't wait to walk up to Pastor Dan and say, Pastor Dan, show me where the family reunion's going to be at so I'll know where to stake my claim. I can't wait to walk up and say, let me see all the Africans who are here because of what you were able to accomplish with the mission God gave you. I can't wait to walk up and see everybody who's gone before us and be able to say, give me today what you promised, and that was a crown of righteousness. Let me go and worship and cast it at the feet of Jesus. That's what the new home is going to be like. It's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to get there. Yeah. Friends, the problem with then and there in that home is that it's then and there, and we have to live in the here and now. That's why Paul said in Titus, that we have to live in this evil world. We didn't say we have to live like this evil world. We live in it. We live in it. 
But at the same time, we live with wisdom and we live with righteousness and we live with self with devotion unto God. We live that way because if we live that way here and now, then then and there will take care of itself. That's what an eternal perspective says. I know there's a day coming and I'm going to get there, but in the here and now, I'm going to live the way God wants me to. I'm going to keep then focused by what I do now. I'm going to live with eternity in my eyesight. I'm going to live with heaven as my goal. I'm going to live with heaven as my aim and I'm not going to give up between here and there. I know that I know that I know that God is going to help me through it. Then and there is going to be amazing. I can't wait. I don't want you to think I don't like living here with y'all. But I can't wait to take up residence then forever with y'all. That's how much I love you. I love you so much, I plan to spend eternity with you, friends. Does it get any better than that? You know, when we get to I can't wait to stand around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ and worship. I cannot wait to be standing there with the one who paid the price and to see him face to face and to walk with him and to talk with him, not Andy from the song, Andy walks with, no, no, not like that, but to walk with the one it was written about. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to look on his face. I can't wait to walk with him and talk with him and, and watch, walk, watch with everything what he's doing and how he created all and say, Lord, could you tell me the story of how you stepped out again in the middle of nowhere flung the stars out in the middle of somewhere and told them to stay there. Can you tell me the story one more time of how all of that happened? And can you show me again how it was you saved me the night uh, that, that I had no idea where I was at when I was driving a car, completely blitzed out of my mind on, on drugs and had no idea how to get back into town, how you kept me from driving off of the bridge. Can you show me that story one more time? How many angels did it take for that to happen? I can't wait to get there and see that, my friends. Because I'm living with eternity in sight. Not just of what can I do here and now. Then and there. Then and there. See, there was a day gone by when we lived with an anticipation. When we lived with a hope that Jesus could come back at any moment. And we heard sermons And we read our Bibles and we lived with the blessed hope that soon he's going to return. See, there was a day that that desire for more of Jesus today than we had him yesterday was a very real part of Christianity. And somewhere along the way, we've gotten to this place where we think that, well, I'm just going to worry about the here and now. Friends, if we don't keep the then and there in mind, the here and now is going to be out of whack. Our perspective is going to be skewed. Because our eternal perspective, the then and there and why that matters, shapes us for here and now. That's what, that's what Paul was talking about in Titus. We live this way. We've been saved. Verse 11, we've been saved. Verse 12, this is how we live. Verse 13, we do all of this because there's coming a day that the great appearing of our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to happen. That's why we live the way we live. That's why we choose today. That's why we choose today how we live. 
That's why we choose today to be generous in giving. It's why we choose today to honor Jesus' teaching. It's why we choose today to still put it first and foremost, whether we find it to be uh, an old school message or not, we still live our lives with the idea that what Jesus said about our life is more important than anything else. We've got to live in the here and now like the then and there is, is going to happen one day soon. Because friends, it is. But the problem is in the here and now, sin still runs rampant in this world. It's easy to allow godless living and sinful pleasures to entrap us. Let's not lose sight of what matters most, that there's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. Let's live our lives with eternity in sight. Because see, when we live our lives with eternity in sight, we care a whole lot more about how many people are in the boat. We care a whole lot more about how many people are in the boat than if it's the boat we like? I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. These light and momentary afflictions are producing in me the hope of glory. Oh, I can't wait. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Perhaps today you're hearing. You would say, Pastor, you know what? I've not lived my life for the then and there. I've been occupied with the here and now, and I've allowed godless living and sinful pleasures to entrap me. If that's you, would you just be honest and slip up a hand? You've lived for your selfish desires, sinful pleasures, and allowed that sin to separate you from Jesus. If that's you, just slip up a hand. There's no condemnation. Anybody at all today, looking from the left to the right? Anybody? Okay. Anybody else? Perhaps it fits you a little bit more like this. I've not kept heaven in mind. I've been worried about me. And I've not been worried about if anybody else knew who Jesus was. But today I want to live with an eternal perspective of seeing how many people I can get to heaven with me. And if that's you, would you slip up a hand? You want to live with an eternal perspective of how many people can I help find Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? How many of you, that's you? Okay. If you would, stand all over the room. In just a moment, here's what's going to happen. In a moment, our prayer team is going to come. And if you need prayer for anything, these our elders and prayer partners, they want to agree with you for God's absolute very best in your life. And if you raised your hand, and there were a few of you who raised your hand and said, I need to respond because I've allowed sin to invade my life and to kind of take over. I've allowed myself to live for sinful pleasures rather than for then and there and what God can do. If that's you and you want to pray and have God do something about it and confess that sin, bring it to the Lord, our prayer team is going to want to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, you got a doctor's appointment coming up, you need prayer for God to to meet a need, something supernatural, we want to pray with you about that. So prayer team, elders, would you come please? If you raised your hand or you should have, we want to invite you as well to please make your way. We want to agree with you that God would do what only God can do. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. If you raised your hand or you should have or you need prayer for anything, as Rachel sings, would you get out of your seat and make your way?